I truly hope everyone in this room understands what an incredible privilege it is to be a part of Glad Tidings Church. For the last 10 years, um, I've had the incredible honor of being here and being underneath Pastor Kevin's leadership. Um, it actually began before um, I ever even set foot in here. At the age of 18, my mom used to ship me sermons of Pastor Kevin. I was working at Target, and I'd have to work on Sunday mornings, and so uh, the store would be closed, and I'd be listening to his messages before the store ever even opened, and it developed in me a hunger and desire and a love for the Word of God and for it to be taught correctly. But what I love about our church, no matter where it's at, whether it's Hartford City, Dunkirk, or Muncie, is that our vision is to develop biblically sound believers, that we hold this up as truth. For everything that we think, that we say, that we believe. And it's been an honor to be a part of the staff and to learn and uh, serve underneath you and to have rubbed shoulders with all of you. And I'm beyond excited. Also, props to the greatest youth ministry in the world, GTSM, full of the greatest students, bar none, <laughs> along with the leaders. I love all of you. You are near and dear to my heart, and you always will be. Now, all the mushy stuff is over. Let's dive into the Word of God. I have a message today that I believe is for every single person in this room. No one gets an out. You are called to go. And we're going to see that from the story today. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Mark chapter 5 for an incredible story. We're going to dive right in and see what God has in store for us today. Mark chapter 5. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man had lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. And whenever he was put into chains or shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and he ran to him and he bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and they entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and they drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus 
go away and to leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, and he began to proclaim the great things God had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. So thankful for your word. So thankful for who you are. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence into this room. We ask that you would come and speak to us through your word, that you would challenge our hearts and lives, that God, this morning as we hear you speak to us, that we would leave as changed people, that we would leave as called people. Lord, I pray this would not be just some sermon that we sit down and listen to and then walk out, but instead we would walk out on a mission. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Fall is my favorite time of year. I love this weather. I hate the summer. It's crisp. It's gorgeous out. There's bonfire time. It's hoodies. But along with this, one of the things that kind of naturally starts happening is at the movie theaters and all around, you start seeing advertisements for scary movies and haunted houses. Never been a big fan of either of the two. I'm a scaredy cat. Um, Not not a fan. Um, As a kid, I remember I went to a friend's house and he showed me like a really scary movie and I had like nightmares for like three months straight after that. So I was like, nope. I'm done. (laughs) But my wife and I went on a double date and my best friend conspired against me. I thought we were going to a cheesy romance comedy movie. So we're together and we're getting ready to go to this movie and they're in line and uh, my best friend's going to purchase his tickets right before me and he announces the name of the movie and I do a double take. I'm like, excuse me? We're seeing what? (laughs) I did not agree to this. I'm not down for that. And it was a movie about uh, a creepy, it was a creepy movie about a, like a girl who comes through a TV screen and like kills people, like a tiny little girl, you know? And so like, I'm terrified, utterly, completely, totally terrified. So it's nighttime and I'm taking my wife back um, to her house afterwards, thoroughly not happy with the, the course of the events of the evening. And we're walking into the house and I'm knocking on the door and my wife's sister um, has always been kind of like attached at the hip, like one of those. She, she was a, like a big fan of me. She was about four at the time, about yay high, really long hair. <clears throat> it's completely dark. I'm looking through the hallway and I'm dropping Angel off and her sister hears my voice. Josh! Comes walking into the hallway. The eerie light from the bathroom casts a shadow on her and she's standing there and goes, Josh! And comes running at me. I'm like, no! No! (laughs) No thank you! Back away! Door slam! I'm out of here, right? I'm like, no, don't think so. Not after watching. But can I just tell you something? Listen to me. Um, the, the, the fear I had in that moment is nothing compared to what we're brought into in this story. The setting of Mark chapter 5 is a horror movie. It's terrifying. The setting right before this encounter that we just read, Jesus and the disciples have been on a boat and they've been crossing the lake. And that night, a storm comes up and waves are crashing into the boat so much so they're, they're assuming they're all going to drown. The boat is starting to sink. They're terrified. 
The disciples are doing everything that they can. They're experienced sailors. They're trying to make it out of this. They're at wit's end and they notice Jesus is asleep at this stern of the boat. They go and wake him up and they go, don't you even care? Jesus stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And instantly, calmness. So now they've went from being terrified of the storm to terrified of Jesus. (laughs) Like, who is this man? That can calm even the wind and the waves. I can guarantee you not much sleep that night. You thought you were going to drown. You thought you were going to die. And, and then the setting that happens next is that it's kind of like this picture, right? They're crossing the other side of the lake. It's, you've, been, you've ever been around a lake in the morning? You know, you've got that little bit of fog that hovers around the water. There's a little bit of a mist. It's got that kind of creepy feel. They're... They're paddling, maybe getting closer to shore. They're getting nearby, and that's when they hear it. The sound of shrieking, howling, but not from an animal, from a man. A demon-possessed man. A naked demon-possessed man. A naked, cut-up demon-possessed man who is so strong, they've tried to chain him and shackle him. And he's broken the chain time and time again. The shackles that they tried to bind him to keep them away because they're so terrified of him. He snapped them. Can you see the setting? Peter, James, and John, they're probably in the front of the boat and it's cresting and it's getting ready to land. And they start hearing the howling, the shrieking. They start seeing a form coming through the mist and they hear the chain as it hits the rocks as he nears their boat. If I'm Peter, I'm like, nope. We're back paddling now. We getting out of here, Jesus. We're back it up, right? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. We're going forward. And they're like, no, I don't think so. Do you see what I'm seeing? This dude's crazy. And the demon-possessed man comes, and he's on a beeline for them, completely the sight of utter terror. Listen to me. We have to understand who this guy is. We have to understand who this man was. This is the man mothers warned their children of. Little Timmy, you don't eat that broccoli. I'm sending you to the caves. You don't want to drink that milk, huh? You want to spend a night with him? I didn't think so. The kids like, oh, 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 right? They're just trying to guzzle it down. Like, they're utterly terrified, right? This is the person who was folklore, legend, but it was actual reality. He was utter fear. His life completely warped by darkness. His mind, complete chaos with over 2,000 demons inside him. The disciples are thinking, they're looking around going, okay, who's going to die first? (laughs) Peter's sizing up the rest of them going, well... I think I can outrun John. Um, (laughs) What's interesting in this story is that we find three requests of Jesus. All three requests seem strange, and all three answers seem pretty strange as well. The first, the demons ask if they can go into the pigs. Jesus says yes, and they plunge down the hill and drown, which leaves me with the question, is that meat salvageable? (laughs) That's a lot of bacon, folks. (laughs) But I don't know. Eating demon-possessed bacon might not be the best idea. 
Some of you are like all bacons, demon-possessed. You, you just haven't had good bacon. Um, the, the reality is, is Jesus says yes to this. He says yes, and that happens. The second, though, is just as equally an outlandish request and just as equally a sad answer. The citizens, they see what's happened and they see what's gone around. And, and the whole town comes to Jesus and they're like, we see this man. We see him fully clothed. We see him saying, we want you gone. Will you leave us? Please go away. And Jesus says yes. Then there's the third request. The demon-possessed man begs Jesus to let him come with him. And Jesus' answer is no. This is a shocking command. Let's go back and reread it. Let's read this. It says, And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home. The picture we get is this. Listen, the boats, he, Jesus is already in the boat. He, he's leaving. It's, it's coming away from shore. The demon possessed me. He's probably in the water. He's trying to get into the boat. He's got a hold of the side of it. He's, he's looking in the eyes of Jesus. He's trying to get one leg over the side of it, trying to get in. And he's looking, he's going, please, please, you've rescued me. You've saved me. Let me come with you. But Jesus says, no. How could Jesus send him away? Did he catch Jesus at a bad moment? Maybe, maybe he was unworthy. He was disqualified because of his past. Maybe it was because of the demons. The answer is no to all those questions. He was commanded to stay and to go home because God had a greater purpose and mission in mind. He loved this man and wanted to use him. Jesus sent him home because he was sending him to where he himself was not allowed to go. Jesus sent him home to bring others into the kingdom. He sent him home to bring others spiritually home. Jesus didn't just say no. He also said go. Go home. But the reality is is that whenever we're called to go, Oftentimes we put that off. We put off the call to go now for a future there and then. <laughs> you know, we're very future-oriented type of people. We, we'll sit at our desks and daydream about vacation or that RV we want to buy someday or that, that thing that we want to do off our bucket list or that, that place that we want to go, that, that thing that someday out there we want to do. But spiritually speaking, we have a tendency to do that exact same thing. God starts speaking to us and he starts calling us to go and he starts saying, hey, I want to use you or use your talents or your gifts. And and I want you to invest in people or in the church or or to tell people of me. And we're like, oh, well, well, not right now, God, but but then and, and, and there. You know, then when 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 I'm more stable in my job, or whenever I know that person just a little bit better. Or, or maybe when I go on a missions trip and I get some practice sharing my faith with some other people. Or maybe when I get trained to share my faith. Maybe when I have a little bit more time. I'm really busy right now. My schedule is just really, really chaos. So it's just kind of hard. Or, or when I have less 
that's going to tie me down um, and I can be more focused on in the future. What, what I find is this, is that too often not, we put off the call that God has on our life to go now because we think, oh, I'll do it then. And we look towards there and we look towards then because we don't feel ready. Have you ever noticed that feelings is a really bad thing to base decisions off of? Anybody ever said something you didn't mean when you were hangry? Hangry is a mix of whenever you're so hungry, you're angry. Anybody ever seen someone in a different light after a cup of coffee? <laughs> right, we're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> right? Feelings is a terrible barometer for us to make decisions. Can I just tell you something? You're never going to feel ready to go. The second reason that one of the reasons we delay it is because the call to go is always uncomfortable. Always. If you're waiting for that moment where it's going to fit your comfort, your schedule, or our new buzz term in our society, our current season of life, it ain't coming. Almost every single one of Jesus' miracles was an interruption to his schedule. It was not like Jesus had dotted down in his planner, 3 p.m. today, miracle will happen. The call to go will always be uncomfortable. But also because we feel like our past disqualifies us. Pastor Josh, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the places I've been. You don't know the things that I've thought. You don't know. You, you just, if you knew, you would know God can't use me. Can I, can I just ask you a question? Does your testimony include being found Hiding in caves, naked, cut up, shrieking, and full of 2,000 demons. Because if Jesus looked at that guy's story and was like, hey, I can use that, I think he can use you. He's not scared of your past, he's not scared of what's happened. But also, we feel like we don't know enough. When I study and learn more and I'm properly equipped for evangelism and serving, I'll start then. God's appointment for your life is not some there or then moment. It's here and now. And the story of the demon-possessed man proves that. So let's look at this counter and show what Jesus is revealing to us. And that is that God can rescue anyone. And his heart is for everyone. God can rescue anyone and his heart is for everyone. I want to do a quick test to all of us right now. Out of everyone that you know you've ever come into contact with, what's the number one person that would be the hardest for you to believe that they would come to know Christ? Think through it. Come up with a name. Can I tell you something? To those 10 surrounding towns, if you would have pulled those towns and asked who's the number one person that most likely won't come to Jesus, the demon-possessed man would have been on everyone's number one list. The person every single person thought there's no chance his life will get turned around is the person that when he encountered Christ, everything changed. Listen, there, there's people in our life without even realizing it, we've kind of closed them off as well. There's just probably not hope. Can I just tell you something? We believe in the God who saves. The God who can rescue from anything and who can rescue any story, including your own.
If you're here today and you're like, I feel like my past disqualifies me. Listen to me. You today can encounter the God who saves, rescues, restores, and redeems. But not only can God rescue anyone, he can use anyone. And he's not scared of your past. This story is vital because it leaves each of us with no excuses. Pastor Josh, again, you don't don't really know my story. You don't know what I've done. Again, did you live in a graveyard? Were you the town boogeyman? Did you shriek and howl in the middle of the night so that children were terrified of you? Some of you are like, yeah. (laughs) Just on Tuesdays. It's... (laughs) Because Jesus saw that man and he said, you know what, that man can be a tool for my kingdom. What was once a tool for the enemy now became a weapon in the hands of God. What he, the enemy, tried to use to destroy that man now became proof of the saving, rescuing power of God. God can use anyone and he's not scared of your past. If you will let him have it, you will be astounded what he can do with it. Your story can bring the presence of Jesus into places where at first he wasn't wanted. Let's read this one more time. It says, Then those who had seen what had happened, they told the others, the town, about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd, they come to the conclusion, they began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. But it says, so the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, and he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. Listen to me. They wanted Jesus' presence gone. But this man, who Jesus said, go home, he brought Jesus' presence to them. Your story can bring the presence of Jesus to places where he wasn't wanted. This is why we plant churches. Timothy Keller says it this way, (coughs) the vigorous continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for the numerical growth of the body of Christ in a city and the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. Nothing else not crusades, not outreach programs, not parachurch ministries, not growing megachurches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. This is an eyebrow-raising statement, but to those who've done any study at all, it's not even controversial. I am so thankful to be a part of a church that cares deeply for the lost. We have a vision to plant churches in eight of the east central Indiana counties. Do you know that in almost every single one of those counties, 60 to 70% of the entire population does not go to church anywhere? There's many who are waiting and longing for a life-giving church where the word of God is taught. You know, we at Glad Tidings believe in being biblically sound believers who reflect Christ's character. Can I just tell you something? Whenever you pray for us, you're going. Whenever you serve 
as an usher, a greeter, a kids ministry worker, you're going. Whenever you give to missions, whenever you give to seeing these other churches planted, whenever you reach out and pray for your reach three, whenever you share your story, whenever you start a Bible study at work, whenever you start a small group and you share your life and story with other individuals, you are called and you're going and you're fulfilling what God has called you to do. You are taking the presence of Jesus into places he was not at first wanted. And the call to go, it's only ever accomplished through the privilege of sacrifice. You know how the demon-possessed man got clothed? One of the disciples had to lose a change of clothes. I don't know if it was Peter, I don't know if it was James, I don't know if it was John. But someone, their luggage went home a little bit less empty. There's a privilege with this. Can can you imagine, uh, let's just say it was James. Can you imagine James as he's watching, as they're they're paddling away, being sent off. Jesus is told that he's not wanted there. And and he's looking back and he's seeing his clothes on the demon-possessed man as that man turns around and starts to head towards 10 cities he's going to tell about Jesus. James is going, he's wearing my shirt. There's a privilege The call to go is only ever accomplished through sacrifice. I am so thankful to be a part of a church that is a sending church, whether that be through missions and the missionaries we're supporting all around the world through the different campuses. There's people right now, this morning, as we speak, who are being impacted in Dunkirk because of the faithfulness of this church. And next week, as we launch our church, we're going to see people in Hartford City come to know Jesus as we continue that legacy of building biblically sound believers. If he was called to go, you're called to go. If there was anyone in scripture who could make the claim they needed more time, more equipping, some more resources before they could be used by God, it was this guy, right? He's been sane for like 30 minutes. 30 minutes prior to this, he had 2,000 demons wrecking his mind. He gets delivered and Jesus goes, you're up, bub. You're one of my first missionaries to Gentile towns. If he has no excuses, we have no excuses. You have your story. I love this. Can can you just imagine, right? (laughs) He starts going to the 10 cities, goes up to the first house. little child comes to the door, looks to the people. Uh, mom, it's that guy, (laughs) right? The mom's like, what guy? The guy from the tombs run, right? They're, they're terrified. They open the door and they see someone completely sane. And he says, I want to tell you a story, my story about a man named Jesus who came and changed everything. You're not going to always have all the answers, but you have your story. And there's someone in your life right now that needs your story. There's someone in your life right now that needs to know what Christ has done in you. Because you know what? They've gotten kind of accustomed to this. 
They need to know that there's a God who rescues from slavery. There's a God who rescues and who saves and who can lead them to freedom. It's time for us to get in the game. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to speak, to tell your story, even if you've never brought it up before. It's time for you to serve, to find a place in the church, to invest and make a difference. Maybe you need to join or start a small group today. It's time for maybe you to give, to put your resources, which are God's anyway, into things and into places which actually matter. It's time for you to maybe invest, to start diving in and learning. Maybe you need to join GT College of Ministry and start getting trained because you know what? Maybe today as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit's whispering in you, you know what? You might be a future campus pastor or a future campus worship leader or a leader here in this church, investing in people, raising up the next generation. We have a phenomenal youth ministry, phenomenal kids ministry, and we need workers all the time. Some of you, you are phenomenal with kids and it's time to step up and join the fight. It's time for us to get in the game. But one thing all of us can do, it's time for us to pray. Every single one of us should have a reach three. Three people every single day we are praying that they would come to know Jesus. Because you, you are sent. Since March, when we, our team started meeting in Hartford City... This here has become something that's been near and dear to our heart. (coughs) This is a wall. There's not a single time that we ever meet that we don't pray for this wall. Because we believe in the God who saves. We believe in the God who saved you and he saved me. He met me at my worst. Same thing for you. Every name on this wall is the name of someone that we're praying and believing is going to come to know Jesus. Every single name on this wall, every week we come, I love it. I love watching my team. They'll come up here and every week they'll kind of take a picture of a different spot of the wall and they'll go back to their table and they'll start praying for that different section of names and praying and believing that, that Jesus is going to meet those people in the midst of their brokenness. Can I tell you something? That's what we're called to do just this morning. As I was driving here, I needed some go juice. I needed some Red Bull. I was a little tired. I needed a little pick-me-up. Stopped at the VP station, and I walked in, and the the lady behind the the register looks at me, and she goes, you're a little dressed up this morning. And I said, yeah, I'm actually going. I'm going to go preach. And she goes, okay, where at? I said, glad tidings. And she goes, what what is that? I'm like, it's the Assemblies of God. She goes, oh, my dad, he's a Baptist pastor. And I was like, awesome. She goes, yeah, I haven't been to church in a real long time. I said, why not? She said, I I got burnt real bad. I told her, I said, ma'am, I want to apologize for whatever happened to you, but I hope that you realize just how desperately God still loves you. I said, I I plead with you, give church another try. I said, come to Muncie. We'd love to have you. Or come to Hartford City if you're in that area. I said, I'd love to have you. I'm planting a church there next week. She goes, oh, really? I was like, Yeah. Are we aware of who is around us, of who's in our life? Can we all do just something real quick? I just want you to close your eyes. Every person in this room right now, close your eyes.
Holy Spirit, I pray right now, as I've been praying in every service that you'd be moving and that, Lord, right now, you would drop a name in our mind. Jesus, who are you calling us specifically to go to? Who is it in our life that you're saying, I want to use you, I want to leverage your story for the sake of their life? God, what name are you dropping into our heart right in this moment saying that, Lord, you're using us to bring hope and life and to share our story with that person? Lord, I pray that we would not leave here as this is just another sermon. We wouldn't just go, oh, it was a great Sunday morning at Muncie, glad tidings. Let's go to lunch, go out to eat, and do our typical thing. Lord, I pray that we would be people of action, that we would walk out of this room and we would do something. Lord, I pray that next week when Pastor Kevin gets up and stands behind this pulpit, I pray that he would look out into a, an audience there, there's new faces of people because people were faithful with their story and they were faithful to their call. Lord, as he casts vision next week for the future, I pray that there'd be people who would hear that for the first time and go, I'm in. Use me, God. Use my life for the sake of your kingdom. You can have it all, Lord, every part. God, I pray that we would be all in for the sake of your kingdom and for your call. Lord, I pray though right now, Holy Spirit, give every single one of us that name. Who is it that you are calling us to go to? In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close. We're going to close in worship. Pastor Clayton's going to lead us in this song, Build My Life. And it's about building our life on the love of Christ. And that's what we're praying is going to happen in the people that we reach. But I, I plead with you, hear, hear my heart today. Don't walk out of here without a plan. I plead. Uh, there, there's, there's text messages that need to get fired off this afternoon. There's Facebook messengers that need to be sent. There's people that need to get a phone call from you that says, hey, you want to meet for coffee? Every single one of us, there's someone in our life that there's a connection that needs to happen, that we need to do something. We need to step into the game. And I plead with you to realize if God can use him, he can use you. And you're called to go. As Pastor Clayton brings us to a close, I'm going to bring this sign out to the lobby. This is something our team prays for every single week tonight. Whenever we meet in Hartford City here in just a few hours, we're going to pray over this wall. I encourage you, this is your chance to put as many names on there as you want. In all of our services, they've been doing it. I'll be out there with some Sharpies. If you've got people in your life that you're praying and believe are going to come to know Jesus and you want them prayed for, I promise you they will be prayed for. Come find me at the wall. Put some names on there. Thank you so much. I love preaching to you all.